Never limit God. In fact, don't limit God. Believe in the impossible. Believe that he can do more than you can ask or think. I was so encouraged last week when Pastor Greg Haswell was here, and he spoke, and he spoke with such a beautiful authority. Who can you recall the three things he spoke about? It was firstly, describe, secondly, ascribe, and thirdly, prescribe. And he encouraged us to go and write our own psalms in which we would describe our situation to God, ascribe greatness to him, and then prescribe what we long for, giving our petitions. And I don't know, how many of you have had a chance to do that? Well, I've had the chance to do that twice this week, and it's been a blessing. And I want to tell you it's a secret to going through things that you may be facing. Because we serve a wonderful, majestic God, and nothing is too difficult for him. He says, with man, this is impossible. With, with God, nothing is impossible. And so we should not limit God, and we mustn't question, can he actually do this? We mustn't question him. That hesitation and that doubt really robs us of seeing the miracle that God has for us. Because he is great and greatly to be praised. And we can look to him with confidence. We can place our hand in his hand and believe with hope and expectation. We've been speaking this year from the book of Jude, chapter 1, verse 20, building up yourself in your most holy faith. And that's what I, I believe we need to do in the face of whatever it is we as individuals are going through is to build ourselves up in our most holy faith, not limiting God, but having confidence in him. And Abraham is an example. Abraham is such an example in this regard. Take up your Bibles, if you don't mind, and turn to Romans chapter 4 and uh, from verse 18, it's just two verses. Romans chapter 4 from verse 18. And it says, against all hope. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you've been against all hope. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed. And so became, in other words, in that way, he saw the answer to his promise to become the father of many nations, as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. Now, isn't that just a remarkable story? And I wonder, when you're 100 years old, and someone has to write a little synopsis on your, on your life in two verses, what will they say? Man, 
Imagine if they could say that about us. Imagine. We never wavered. We hoped against all odds that we never weakened in our faith, that we did not have unbelief regarding the promises of God, and that we were fully persuaded. Wow. Well, Abraham set this example for us, and he, he, he is a, a, a remarkable character. And you can go and read about it. It starts in around Genesis 12, where God instructs Abraham to leave his home and to go to a land that he would show him. Now, it was, for me, one of those ridiculous requests because he didn't tell him where. But you know, it's not unlike our lives. We don't know where. We might have all our plans in place. In fact, when I was growing up, I, was, I grew up in a time when we made plans and we had visions and, you know, we had vision documents and, and uh, I wrote those things down and I, and, and I was pursuing them and many of them got fulfilled. In fact, all of them were fulfilled before I was even 30. I didn't know where I would end up. I didn't know I would end up here. I never thought I would preach. Never. I thought I was behind the scenes. I was an ideal behind the scenes man. But here, Abraham gets this instruction from God and, and he obeys. But with the instruction comes this promise that he's going to be the father of many nations. And that out of him, all the nations of the world will be blessed. And he gets this promise at a time when he is an old man and his wife is an old lady. But he does it anyway. He obeys anyway. And Abraham obeys God's instructions and he gathers up his belongings and he starts moving. And God leads him and leads him. Now, when he got the promise, Abraham was 75 years old when the promise was originally given. Then, you know what happened? Nothing. Nothing happened for 15 years. Nothing happened. And then the Lord renewed the promise to Abraham. Okay, now he's 90. Do you know what happened then? Nothing happened. For a further 10 years, and after 25 years, God fulfilled the promise that he had given. Now, I don't know about you, but 25 years is about enough time to get me discouraged. <laughs> In fact, I think I would have been discouraged uh, much closer to the beginning. But that's enough time. But I think deep within his heart, he had this confidence in God and his ability to do what he said he would do. And it's an example to me of the fact that we must never limit God. But how can we build up our faith? If we want to have faith like Abraham, how can we build up our faith? What can we do to build up our own personal faith in the midst of what we're going through? Well, I think the first thing is obedience. 
You want to build up your faith? You want to be somebody like Abraham who, when they look back on his life, they put him in the hall of, the hall of faith? Then it starts with obedience, simple obedience. And I believe it's a key to blessing in our lives. And obedience was the first step in Abraham's life. He, he obeyed God. And I want to encourage you to obey. Start by just obeying God's word. Take it, apply it to your life, and obey. Also, obey those things he tells you to do, those promptings that the Holy Spirit tells you to do. Obey those things. Even if they seem incongruent with the situation, obey. I was recently chatting to a man I've known for years. He's not in this church, and, and he's followed God all his life. He'd been a righteous man. And he was telling me that it's got to that stage now where he's moving into a retirement center. And I said, okay, well, great, you know. And uh, he was saying, yes, and I've met somebody, somebody from my childhood, and uh, he'd been widowed about six or eight years ago, widower. And um, he told me this, and I said, oh, great, you're getting married. Mm -mm. I haven't got the strength for marriage. And I, I was like, you know, I'm the, I'm the pastor. What must I say? I, I didn't say anything. I went away and I, I, I was Burdened. Here is this man who has obeyed God's word his whole life. He's lived righteously his whole life. And now here he is going into the waiting room of heaven. And here at this critical junction, <laughs> moments before he meets his savior, <laughs> now, I thought, I don't know, I don't know. I'm still trusting the Lord to, because I feel like I'm junior, he's senior. But you see, I believe obedience is the key, and sometimes we just let things slip. God honors obedience. Keep on obeying him. Keep on doing the right thing. You might think, but it doesn't work in my situation. It doesn't work for me. Well, I've tried that before. No, let's keep on obeying. We want our faith to grow. We want to be like Abraham. We want to be like someone who they can write something and it can sound sim some, something, something similar to what they wrote about Abraham. So Abraham went as the Lord has told him. And I believe faith starts the moment we obey. The moment we obey. So the first one is obedience. Secondly, believe God no matter what. Believe God no matter what. If you go back to Romans 4 verse 18, it says, Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed. Against all hope. There's an indication here that there was no hope in Abraham's situation. 
there was no grounds to believe that things could be different. It was actually a, a hopeless case from man's perspective. But yet he continued to hope. And often when we face hopeless situations, we can lose hope ourselves. And we can stop having that hope. But Abraham's faith was grounded on his hope in God. And he believed God no matter what the situation looked like. And so I wrote down these things. I just want to read them to you. Maybe one of them more will apply to you. It may be a fact that you are unemployed today, but God has a future and a hope for you. And that's the fact. Well, that's the truth. It may be a fact that you are broke today, but my God is Jehovah Jireh, and he will provide all you need, and that's the truth. It may be a fact that you are sick, but by his stripes we are healed, and he is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord our healer, and that's the truth. It may be a fact that you have wasted many opportunities, but he is the one who can restore the years that the locusts have eaten, and that's the truth. It may be a fact that you are depressed, but God is the one who comes to lift us out of the pit and out of the miry clay, and that's the truth. It may be a fact that you have no hope, but his word tells us that while there is still life, there is still hope, and that's the truth. And so be encouraged. God has the final say. There's a beautiful scripture that's come to mean a lot to my wife and I from Romans 3 verse 4. And it says, let God be true and every man a liar. Let God be true and every man a liar. And today, whatever has been spoken over you, whether it was years ago, whatever it is, let God be true. Let his word be true and let every other thing said be a lie. Remember that scripture. You may need it one day. Let God be true and every man a liar. Thirdly, we need to deal with doubt. Doubt is the thing that comes and robs us. We need to deal with doubt. Doubt is an issue we all have. Doubt is an issue we all face. But in Romans 4 verse 19, it says, without weakening in his faith. Doesn't matter that it took 25 years. He didn't weaken in his faith. And it does indicate that there's a degree of control here for us. There's some action that we can take. In verse 20, it says, He did not waver through unbelief regarding the promises of God. And so there's a link between doubt and the weakening of our faith. There's a link. And so we have to deal with this issue of doubt. Wavering leads to doubt. Doubt in turn leads to unbelief. 
Unbelief creates an environment in which faith cannot survive. And I believe we need to, we need to deal with this aspect of doubt. Now, in Psalm 78, there's a story of the nation of Israel while they are going through the wilderness where they begin to doubt God. It's actually a very serious story. And it says there that they spoke against God and they said, can God really spread a table in the wilderness? Can God? It was much the same as the serpent did when the serpent came to Adam and Eve in the garden and sowed the doubt. Here, the nation of Israel, they had seen wonderful miracles. The Red Sea had been split. They'd seen all of it. And they get to this can God moment, this moment of doubt. And they go on and it says they, they spoke against God. They said, can God really spread a table in the wilderness? True. Now they start listing the miracles. Listen how ridiculous this is. True, he struck the rock and water gushed out and streams flowed abundantly. But can he provide us with bread? Mm. Can he supply meat for his people? You see the doubt that comes in. And when the Lord heard this, it, go, it goes on, when the Lord heard this, he was furious. I don't want God to be furious with me. Don't start with the can God. It says that the Lord heard he was furious. His fire broke out against Jacob and his wrath rose out against Israel. For they did not believe in God. Trust amounts to, uh, doubt amounts to not believing God or trust in his deliverance. They didn't trust in his deliverance. And you know, God was so good that he let bread rain on their roofs and he let meat rain on their roofs. In the midst of all that. But that's doubt. And we need to deal with this issue of doubt. I just want to digress here for a moment because Abraham's wife, Sarah, seems to have been more prone to the doubt. And I want to tell you where doubt takes you. Doubt takes you to humiliation. Faith takes you to honor. Let me explain why. So the promise comes, and Sarah has been waiting for this promised child, and she's sick and tired, quite frankly. She's heard everything. She's claimed everything. She's done everything. She has actually tried plan B, and she's done all sorts of things. And eventually, God comes in the form of three visitors to her tent, and they speak to Abraham, and they say, in a year from now, the child will be here. And Sarah is behind the curtain in the next room, laughing in her heart. And these three men happen to be God. And he says to Abraham, Sarah laughed. Why is she laughing? Because you see, doubt leads to unbelief. Unbelief leads to cynicism. You get cynical. So she's laughing. So they haul Sarah out. And they say, you laughed. Oh, God says, you laughed. She says, I didn't. <laughs> and God says, you lied. Go and read it for yourself. It's shocking. 
exposed humiliation. I don't want that for us. Imagine God looking you in the eye and saying, you're a liar. You know, we, we just cannot afford that. We just cannot afford the doubt. Years ago, I remember uh, the journalist interviewing uh, Reinhard Bonke, and this journalist was one of those hostile journalists that really just wanted to expose and try and bring, trip him up. But old Reinhardt was just nailing away, nailing away. And eventually, in frustration, she said, don't you ever doubt. And he said, of course I doubt, but I choose to doubt my doubts. <laughs> Wasn't that a brilliant answer? I choose to doubt my doubts. Now, Reinhard Bonke is an old man today. He's in his late 70s. He doesn't look well. He has a regular broadcast on Facebook. He has a Facebook live broadcast. I would encourage you, go and befriend him and go and watch some of those. You will be intrigued. This old man has got the fire and the passion of God. And the other day he was preaching and I'm watching him on Facebook and he looks up and he looks into the camera and he says, they tell me I have cancer. He looks, he says, I think not. <laughs> and I realized there's no cancer and that's all. There's no cancer in, in his inner man. And he was doubting the doubts. And you and, you and I must do that as well. So often we, we believe the doubts. You know, we think the worst thing can happen and it probably will. We believe the doubts instead of taking God at his word. Point number four, never write anything off. Never write anything off. It says in verse 19, Romans 4, 19, Abraham faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. He wasn't afraid to look the thing in its face and say, I acknowledge my body is dead and my wife's body is dead. Wasn't afraid to do that. But what he didn't do is write it off because of that. And maybe you've written something off that God has promised you. A promise for your family, your children. A promise that you've written off. As my wife and I have been trusting and believing God holding on to the promises. The one day I was praying and I was just speaking out the promises of God regarding our situation, speaking it out. And I felt the Lord said in my spirit, I'm glad you, you're believing the promises, but there's some that you've written off. And the Lord reminded me that 20, 25, 30 years ago, the Lord had given promises to my mother, my father, to us as a family Promises that we are still not seeing fully fulfilled. And I felt the Lord said to me, if you're going to believe me for this promise in your current situation, believe me for everything. 
believe me for all the promises. And I want to challenge you today, if you've written something off, you've written it off because it just seems less likely than ever, go and scratch them out. Begin to believe again. Never write anything off. Never write any promise off that God has for you. That's limiting God. Don't limit God. Number five, strengthen your faith. I believe we need to strengthen our faith. And that's what uh, Abraham did in verse 20. It said he was strengthened in his faith. You know, sometimes it's easy to go down the unbelief road. But we don't want to go where that ends up. He strengthened himself in his faith. And we know that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So as we absorb the word of God, faith will arise within us. But in addition to that, there are many wonderful Christian TV channels with many wonderful preachers that can assist you in building up your faith. And and my wife and I have been enjoying lately Joyce Meyer, Joseph Prince, Steve Furtick, Joel Osteen, Beth Moore, and we drink it in. And we see our faith being strengthened. There are many great books and there's lots of new worship music out there. And so, you know, let your faith be built up. If I want my faith to be dragged down, you know what I do? I just watch the news. (laughs) I just watch the news. Because if I watch the news, I will hear about floods and hurricanes, earthquakes and droughts, famines and bombings, threatening nuclear war, corruption, state capture, poverty, suffering. It all weakens my faith. Now, I don't advocate ignorance, but our, the strengthening, strengthening of our faith must be the priority. So watch what you watch, let alone the rugby. <laughs> Could barely watch it. That second half, oh, no. It reminds me of a song we used to sing as children. It says, so be careful, little eyes, what you see. So be careful, little ears, what you hear. So be careful, little hands, what you do. So be careful, little feet, where you go. So be careful, little mouth, what you say, for there's a father up above who is looking down in love. So be careful, little eyes, what you see. Develop your faith. Come on, invest in it. Get get some good books, get some good CDs. Number six, praise. Praise is a powerful tool, a powerful ingredient. In verse 20, it says, and Abraham gave glory to God. That ties in with last week. Ascribe to the Lord greatness. Remind yourself of how faithful and wonderful and great he is and what he can do. Bring a sacrifice of praise. Do you know the Bible says praise is not always just a, It's sometimes a costly, weighty affair. Why? Because something has to die in order for that praise to come out. Your doubt has to die. Your unbelief has to die for that praise to come out. Let praise come out. Let it come out of you. In the Old Testament, there was a story. It says the moment they began to sing, the enemy armies fought amongst themselves and they were self-slaughtered. So let praise come out of your mouth. 
Number seven, the last one, become fully persuaded. Now, this is not that easy to be fully persuaded. You have to admit, it's not always that easy. There's a pastor in the city. He's retired now. He runs, uh, his son runs the church that he was running. And his wife has been ill now for 19 years. 19. He phoned me the other day. And weeping on the phone, he said to me, I was up this morning and I was praying for you and praying for your wife. I prayed in the spirit for an hour. And he said, I want you to know something. I am fully persuaded for you. He says, I am fully persuaded for you. If you haven't got the strength to be fully persuaded, I am fully persuaded for you. I thought to myself, well, am I fully persuaded for his wife? No. And it was such a challenge to me as this man was telling me on the phone, we must be fully persuaded. And I believe we've got to get back to that point where we become fully persuaded, that we are convinced and persuaded in our own minds that God's word is true, that we are completely assured, that we believe with certainty, that we know, that we know, that we know, that we're no more second guessing or doubting We know that God has got our best interests at heart. And really, it's only something you and I can change. No one can do it for us. I believe people can stand in the gap, but we need to become fully persuaded of God's faithfulness to his promises. How about you? Let me end with this example of someone who I find remarkable in his persuasion. It's the story of Joseph. Joseph was a man who'd been through hard times. He'd been rejected by his family, sold into slavery by his own brothers, falsely accused, sent to jail where he was forgotten about, left to rot. And out of that, God brings him, and he, like that song says, I will, I will rise. And he rose above all of that to become second in charge of the superpower of the day. And he was the saving grace of the world because he made provision for a terrible period of drought that saved the then known world. He gets to the end of his life and now he's dying. And in, his, in, his, in this moment when he's dying, he calls together his brothers and some of the other Israelites. He calls them together, and he begins to speak to them. Now, usually when a person is dying, you know, they've got other things on their minds. But Joseph had the promises of God on his mind. Let me read it to you. You don't need to turn there. Genesis 50 from verse 24 and 25. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I am about to die. And then he goes and he says, but God will surely come to your aid. 
and take you up out of this land to the land he promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Here he is at death's door, persuaded about a promise that there is no evidence for. Nothing has happened. In fact, they're still in Egypt. And Joseph made the Israelites swear on oath and and said, God will surely come to your aid. And then you must carry my bones from this place. So Joseph died at the age of 110, and after they embalmed him, he was placed in a coffin in Egypt. Here he is at the last moment of his life, and he is persuaded about God's faithfulness to his promise, fully persuaded. Do you know how long Joseph lay in that grave? 360 years. Then came the Exodus. They took they went to go and collect his bones. They carried it through the wilderness for 40 years, and eventually he was buried in the promised land. How can you be so fully persuaded? Maybe, this is my own personal thing, maybe he knew it was going to take a bit of time. Because that's why he didn't say, take my remains, because he'd been embalmed. He said, by then I'm only going to be bones, but you take the bones anyway, listen to me. That's just my own personal uh, proliferation of that uh, story. I don't know why, but he, he, perhaps he knew it wasn't imminent, I don't know, but he knew it would happen, and he made plans. And he said, it's going to happen, and I want to go with. That's fully persuaded. He knew that he knew that he knew that God would do what he would do, and he wanted to be part of it. Such great faith. And I want to encourage you, let you and I live with that same confident expectation and that complete trust in God. Let us never limit let us never limit him. I want to be like Joseph in my, in my dying breath. I'm still saying, the promises, they're coming. They're coming. Don't you worry. And when it comes, you just come and fetch whatever's left, but I'm going with you. Don't you dare leave me. Yeah? You come and fetch me. I'm going with, I'm going to see it. Would you stand with me so I can pray for you? Father, in Jesus' name, we come to you today. We declare that you are the awesome, promise-keeping God. We can look to you. We choose to obey you. We choose to believe you no matter what. We deal with doubt, and we cut that doubt off today, and we doubt those doubts. We won't write off the things that you have promised, but we will hold on to them and continue to believe. We will strengthen our faith. We will praise you in advance, for you are great and greatly to be praised. 
and we will move, Lord. Help us, Holy Spirit, to move to that place where we can be fully persuaded, fully convinced that there would be no doubt or hesitation in our hearts. Lord, I speak your blessing out over your people. I say, Lord, would you bless them? Would you fulfill the promises you have spoken over their lives? Would they be people who are fully persuaded, not swayed and tossed around like a wave in the ocean, but people who are believing God, believing God's word, and are trusting you with all of their hearts? I commit them to you. I ask for your protection over each person in the week that lies ahead. And I ask, Lord, that we will hear wonderful testimonies of your faithfulness as we trust you because we will not limit you because nothing is too difficult for you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.